All right, I'm going to get into the message now. We've been talking about overflow, and we are going to talk today about God overflowing us with forgiveness. And I know someone had said they were thankful for God's forgiveness, how he forgives uh, everything. So today, let's look at God overflowing us with forgiveness. Why does he do it? Now, the first thing you need to know, God overflows us with forgiveness because of who he is. You see, God is a merciful God. He's not a big, angry God up there with a stick waiting for you to make a mistake. He's merciful. In other words, he has mercy. Now, that term to be merciful means that He's not going to give everybody what they deserve. He's not going to give you a sentence or a punishment that fits the crime, if you will. He's going to show mercy. Deuteronomy 4, verse 31 says, For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon you or destroy you or forget the solemn covenant he made with your ancestors. So the God we serve is a merciful God. Lamentations 3, verse 22. It says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. This is good news. It's saying to us the God we serve will remain merciful and loving. You don't have to worry about waking up one day and he's completely different. Or suddenly now he's angry and he doesn't like you. The God you serve will always be merciful and always be loving. I don't know if anybody's ever worked at a job where you weren't sure from day to day if your boss was going to be merciful or grouchy. Or they're going to be kind or raw and you, you didn't know. It's never a good feeling to work in that type of situation. Possibly someone was in a past relationship where you never knew if that other person was going to be gentle or crazy. Those are not good situations, but I can tell you this, the God you serve will always remain that merciful, kind, and loving God who he is. You can go to him and always know he will be the same. And he will be hands extended saying, come, Hands extended, ready to forgive. That's a good God. You see, the God we serve wants to forgive and to have you coming to him because he's merciful, but also because he loves people. You see, God created everything. He created the heavens, the earth, the stars, the universe, and then he created people. And he loves the people he created. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And 1 John 4 verse 16 says, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So the God you and I serve actually is love. I've said this before, I'll say it again. If you've actually experienced and felt true love, you've felt the presence of God because he is love. 
And for any of us to actually operate in love, to show love to others, it means that God is working through us. That's a good thing. So he loves people. And I want you to never forget that about the God you're serving. He loves you. He also loves the people around you. He even loves the people who don't yet know him. Did you know that? He loves the people that maybe you don't like. He loves people, and he loves them greatly. Romans 5 and verse 8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Okay, so God wants to overflow you with forgiveness because he's merciful, he loves you, and also because he wants to be in fellowship with you. And forgiveness is important for there to be fellowship. You see, we read back in Genesis where God created things. When he created Adam and Eve, he created them and he wanted to have fellowship with them. Or a better word might be relationship. We know this as we read that he talked with Adam, he gave him instruction, but we also know that when Adam and Eve sinned, they heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the evening, and he was walking there to visit with them, and they hid because of sin. So we understand that God created people, and he wanted fellowship, he wanted relationship. But the thing is that sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. So here God wants to have relationship, but sin created a separation. No longer could there be fellowship, no longer could there be healthy relationship, but thankfully God had a plan for sin. Because he loves his people so much, he wants to be in relationship so much that he said, I'm going to fix this problem. And in Colossians 1 verse 20, it says that through him, meaning Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. When I read this... I can see and hear the heart of God. All he's wanting is to bring you into his presence. And he said, I have found the way. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a sacrifice, my own son, and I'm going to, through his sacrifice, bring you to me. And I'm going to make you holy and blameless, and you'll stand in my presence. God wants a relationship with you. You know, serving God is not supposed to be a religious duty. It is supposed to be a relationship. 
you and I talking with him, you and I in his presence, living in that relationship with the Father. Now think about it in the natural, in relationship. People spend time with one another when they're in relationship. And by relationship, it could be uh, strong friendship, it could be uh, marriage, it could simply be family relationship, but relationships happen all over. In good relationships, people spend time with one another. In healthy, joyful relationships, they don't spend time with one another because they have to. They spend time with one another because they want to. Think about it for a minute. Anyone here who uh, is a couple or uh, you've had a boyfriend or a girlfriend in the past, nobody had to tell you you should spend time with them, did they? They're like, oh, you should make sure and talk to them once in a while. No, people talk all the time. Nowadays, they FaceTime nonstop all night because they just want to hear their voice. Okay, so nobody has to tell somebody, take time when you care about somebody. Well, the Heavenly Father also wants us to take time with Him. And it shouldn't be, oh, it's a religious duty. It should be where you're speaking, talking, where you're reading His Word, and then you're listening back. Now, I know sometimes for young people, they'll be like, well, God doesn't talk out loud. How do I know? God is a spirit, it says, and he must be worshipped in spirit and truth. That means he's going to speak to your spirit. And he's going to communicate with you in the still small voice. He'll speak right to your thoughts, if that helps, to your spirit, to the, the inner you. And you'll have relationship and conversation in that way. And yes, yeah, some people have heard his audible voice as well. But most times it's spirit to spirit. So go ahead when you're talking to him. Take time to listen. Take time to hear. Let his presence come in to the place where you're talking or praying. There's nothing better than knowing your relationship is good by feeling his presence. And God has made forgiveness available because he wants relationship with you and I. He wants our sin to be dealt with so that the relationship can be strong and healthy. I remember, you know, thinking about our God and getting to know him. It reminds me of the scripture in Revelations where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I will come in and I will eat with him. He gives a picture of the final time as a banqueting table where people are around the table eating. Jesus wants to spend quality time with you. And there's nothing better for relationship than eating together. There's studies been done, families that eat, you know, a certain number of meals a week are healthier, stronger families because they get together and they eat together. A family that never has a meal together begins to break apart. Those are studies on that. Well, here's Jesus saying, I want close relationship with you. I'll come in and eat with you. And of course, we know he did that with his followers when he walked on this earth. And one of the greatest stories in the Bible is Jesus, the Last Supper. What's he doing? Sitting around the table, giving them information and fellowship going on back and forth. 
eating. God wants you to take that kind of quality time with him. And of course, we can't talk about relationship without you thinking about natural relationships. Keep them healthy. To keep natural relationships healthy, you will need to practice forgiveness. Guaranteed. If you're unwilling to forgive, you will not have good relationships. As a matter of fact, when people choose not to forgive, they eventually become bitter and lonely. Because when you walk in unforgiveness, it affects every relationship you have, not just the person you're not forgiving. Okay, so let me just say maybe like this, maybe somebody is unable to forgive a parent for something they did wrong. But that unforgiveness becomes bitterness, which affects the relationship uh, with other people, even at their work. Do you know there's people who bounce from job to job because they hold unforgiveness to something that happened with somebody else? Unforgiveness affects everything you do. So practice forgiveness. Your relationships can only be strong and healthy when you know how to forgive. And if you choose not to forgive, you will become lonely. You will become left out because the whole importance of people being close means they've forgiven. And you're like, really? Yes. Because there is no relationship where somebody won't unintentionally even do something that you don't like or say something that you don't like. That just happens. So if you don't know how to forgive, you'll be mad at everybody. If you've ever met someone who's mad at everybody, yeah, <laughs> I have met someone like that, yeah. When that happens, your first reaction is what? I'm going to make this a really short conversation and get out of here. Right? <laughs> if it's in a restaurant or it's in a store or it's at your workplace, you're like, how can I make this really quick? Their unforgiveness and bitterness causes people to avoid them. So I want to encourage you, church, practice forgiveness often so that people want to be around you, so that you can shed the light and joy, and so that you can build good, healthy friendships and relationships. Jesus called his followers friends because he so wants us to be in relationship with him. And again, forgiveness plays that part. John 15, 15, Jesus said, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Friends, who and how do you picture the God that you serve? Do you picture him as a friend? You know, often we don't, and sometimes people picture God as, you know, maybe somebody who's a little bit scary, but I want to encourage you, you need to get in your word and see him for who he is. Jesus was the human manifestation of God himself. And he was friendly. He was loving and he spent time. So that's your example of the heavenly father on earth. And he hasn't changed. It says he'll never change. So talk to him like a friend. Don't beg him as if he's not listening. He's a good friend. You know, when I think about fellowship and uh, spending time with someone and getting to know them, it comes to my mind years ago, 
when we used to visit my great-grandpa and grandma. And I grew up on a farm, and the quarter section over was where my grandparents and my great-grandparents lived. They lived on the same farm, two different houses. And I can remember there was a, a season where Dad, every Saturday, would take the kids to the next farm, would go to the house, and we'd have tea time with our great-grandparents. Anyways, it's, okay, look at it, it's 10.30 or whatever time, and we're going for tea, and there would be not just tea, but of course there'd be snacks and food and lots of visiting. And you know, the only memories that I have of my great-grandparents are those tea times. I'm guessing there was other times that we were with them, but that's the only times I remember. And I can still remember them vividly. My great-grandpa at that time, I believe he was in his early 90s, and uh, we would go into their house. I can still remember what the kitchen looked like. It had one of those bay windows, and our great-grandma had plants growing everywhere in there. And uh, our great-grandpa would uh, sit on this stool. I don't know if they make these stools anymore, but it was about this high. It had like a green plasticky uh, upholstery on the front and the back. And then there was a step that would, could fold down or fold in. So I don't know. I haven't seen those kind for a long time. I don't know if you'd call it a high chair. Maybe it was the high chair back in those days. But anyways, he would sit on that because he needed a higher chair because he had a bad knee. But here I can picture him laughing and telling stories while we had tea time. You see, fellowship, relationship is what God wants with you and I. He doesn't want us to think of him because we've read about him or because somebody else told us He wants us to know him because we experienced him in fellowship, okay? Just like I got to do with my great-grandparents. But still, all the memories I have are good memories of fellowship and tea with that carnation creamer. Oh boy, I'm going to have tea after church today. Okay, (laughs) bringing back memories. But fellowship's important, you guys. Take time to fellowship with the people you love. Take time, make a routine of something with those people you love because those are the memories they're going to keep of you and the things you've done. Especially to any of our older generation. Make time for others and uh, make it around the table. It's It's unforgettable. God wants to overflow you and I with forgiveness and Jesus wants us to be in relationship so he has to forgive us And we just need to go to him and accept the price that he paid. Because you see, Jesus paid the penalty for forgiveness. In Colossians 1.14, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. And Jesus, who loves us, actually said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In John 14, verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you will be also. He wants us to be with him. Fellowship. You see, heaven is not being prepared so you can go there and be alone. You're going to go there, you're going to be with other people, and you're going to be in the presence of Jesus. Now, God also wants you and I to overflow with forgiveness to others, and this is pretty important. 
Matthew 18, 21. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Well, we get the impression that he's talking about in the day, or, and Jesus basically just picks a number that's impossible to reach because he's saying you need to forgive people all the time. There's no limit to forgiveness. Okay, do you understand that? There is no limit to forgiveness. You need to be willing to forgive all the time. Now, that doesn't mean you should let someone continue to do you wrong or hurt you, but forgiveness you should always be ready to extend forgiveness because it's what the Lord would do for us. In the Lord's Prayer, we read about forgiveness. Matthew 6, verse 9, he says, In this manner, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's the part I wanted to get to. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then Jesus decides he wants to clarify something in this prayer. And he says in verse 14, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is very key for you and I. He's going to overflow us with forgiveness. We need to overflow to others with forgiveness. He said if you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. Forgiveness. You're like, well... You don't know what people have done. I don't want to forgive them. Forgiveness is for you and I. When you forgive someone, you release yourself from the wrong that they've done. You cause the fact that now what was done can no longer hurt you because you cut it off by forgiving. All right? When someone lives in unforgiveness, they relive the hurt usually daily. But when you forgive it, you cut it, you stop it, you end it. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, we see that God provides forgiveness for you and I, and we play a part in receiving that forgiveness. And I'm wrapping up here now this morning. You see, all of the overflow series that we've been doing, God wants to overflow us, but we play a part in releasing it and receiving it, okay? And if we miss that part, people walk through life missing out on everything God has and simply just hearing about it and wondering why they don't have it. Even forgiveness requires you and I to play a part, John, uh, I'm going to go back to 1 John 1 verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And then Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. Even the forgiveness of salvation, you do need to receive it, and you receive it by using your mouth and saying, Lord, forgive me for what I've done wrong. I receive. Okay? So forgiveness requires you to speak. Even forgiving others will require you to speak in prayer and sometimes even talking to the person that needs forgiveness. It is important. Now, of course, when we talk about forgiveness, there's so many good stories in Scripture. One of my favorites is Acts chapter 16, verse 30. And uh, this is my last Scripture this morning. This is the story of the jailer and Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were preaching about Jesus. They got uh, taken, they were beaten, and then thrown in jail. And it says at midnight, they begin to sing and praise God. And when they did, there was an earthquake and it shook open the gates of the cells. The jailer thought, oh my goodness, everybody escaped. And he was going to kill himself. Because in those days, if the jailer lost a prisoner, it was his life in place of the prisoner. So he thought, well, I lost him. I might as well kill myself. Paul and Silas shout out, don't, don't do it. We're all still here. And he comes and it says he got a light and he came to them and he fell down trembling. And he brings them out and we're going to read in Acts 16, verse 30. He brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoicing, he rejoiced having believed in God with all his house. So what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they said. And we know that he believed. He obviously confessed it with his mouth. And then he was water baptized. And water baptism happens and can happen immediately after someone accepts Christ. And to know that, we play a part in receiving the forgiveness, the goodness of God.